Welcome to this podcast by The Rocks Church. We hope you find it challenging and inspiring. For more information, visit therocks.church. Hey, um, before we begin talking about today's movie, I just want to start by uh, answering maybe some of your questions. For those of you who are new to The Rocks, you don't know why we are doing this. Maybe you're asking, why do at the movies? Can we actually do this? Can we mix Hollywood with church? Isn't it sacrilege for us to mix what is sacred, the church, with what is secular, films or movies? That's a great question. And in order for me to answer that question, I want to refer to you to this magnus opus of a writing by a guy, by a Christian ethicist, the most famous one by the name of Richard Niebuhr, who wrote a, this magnificent book in 1951. So this is almost like 80 years ago. Uh, this Christian ethicist wrote that there are many different ways Christians have been engaging culture throughout history. He identifies actually five different ways Christians have been engaging culture throughout history. And these are the five. Okay. Can we go back one more time? <laughs> it's a bit too early. How do I get, go backward? Somebody help me, please. <laughs> All right. What we do at the movies? Yeah, Richard Neighbor uh, wrote that five different ways uh, Christians have been engaging with the culture throughout history. I'm not going to explain to you all five, but the summary or the bottom line of his book is this, that Christians should be engaging the culture in order to change culture in order for us to uh, like put Christ and inject the kingdom of God into culture. And that's the reason why for us as a church that we should not shy away from engaging with our culture because that is our calling. Our calling is to change and to be involved in the culture. How can you change the culture around you if you are not engaged with the culture that is uh, around you? And the Apostle Paul 2,000 years ago, said the same thing. And he said this in his letter to the Corinthian Christians. He says, whether you eat or drink, and whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. Everything that you do, including menial things such as eating and drinking, we're supposed to do them all for the glory of God. What is Paul saying? What Paul is saying is simply this, that in his mind, for us as followers of Jesus Christ at least, there shouldn't be any differentiation between what is sacred with what is secular. There shouldn't be any difference because everything that we do, whether we eat or drink, should be done in honor of God for the glory of God. So don't think that church on Sunday is sacred and what you do at work is secular. No, your work is sacred. Your family is sacred. Your social is sacred. How you behave online is sacred. Everything we do is sacred to God because what is sacred anyway? Sacred means dedicated to God, dedicated to the Lord. And that's the reason why we shouldn't shy away from engaging with our culture. But maybe some of you are thinking, but Daniel, our culture today is so bad. Like, how can we engage with the culture that is so bad? Shouldn't we separate ourselves so that we can keep our purity, so that we can remain, you know, holy followers of Jesus Christ? Well, our culture today is no different than the culture that Jesus lived in back in the days. Back in the days, people swear, people do things that God, you know, uh, that are hurtful for them. 
And still, Jesus engaged with the people around him, and Jesus is asking his father for us to do the same, to be the same. And listen to the word of Jesus here in John 17. This is powerful. He says, I've given them your word. He's talking to his father now. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world. So we are, as followers of Jesus Christ, are redeemed creatures set aside for the purpose of the kingdom of God. So we do not belong to the world in that regards because the world has its own agenda. But Jesus says, just as I do not belong to the world, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. So God is not asking us to live in the desert and, you know, and be like a monk that lives in the desert. No, but to keep them safe from the evil one. You know, as a Christian, you shouldn't be afraid, afraid to engage with your culture. And as you do, as long as you know what you're doing, Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is praying for me not to be affected by the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. So, again, my encouragement to you is, please continue to engage with your culture. In fact, make the culture around you better. I hope out of this crowd, we'll come someday, the Prime Minister of Australia, change politics around you. I hope some of you will be great movie stars. I hope some of you will be great musicians. I hope some of you will be great artists. I don't know, you know, whatever the culture is around us, it is our duty, it is our call to engage with it so that we can improve it, we can make it better. All right, that's it. That's the introduction for me for this series. But right now, we're going to be talking about this powerful, amazing, best-selling movie called Maverick, Top Gun Maverick, right? This movie is really about this aging pilot by the name of uh, Pete Mitchell. His, his uh, call sign is Maverick, right? And he's a, he's, a, he's a test pilot who used to be one of the top guns. He used to be one of the best uh, of the best. And now he's been called to train a lot of the new top guns for a secret mission against an unnamed enemies. These are some of the new young pilots some of the new top guns that he's supposed to train. We have from left to right, Bob, that's his call sign, Hangman, Rooster, Payback, and Phoenix. You know, as I was watching this movie, I became envious. Why do pilots get call signs? I want a call sign for myself. So I created one for myself, and from this point onward, I don't want you to call me Daniel. Call me by my call sign, Bald Eagle. Um, because I'm so good looking. And I thought, like, why do pilots have the call signs, right? Pastors, they need call signs too. So I've given all our pastors call signs. So we have our new Baldavis location pastor, Alistair, because he's the youngest by far of all the pastors. His call sign is baby. And Pastor Gordon, because he's the oldest. His call sign is Cain. I don't know if that's offensive to him, but we might have to change his call sign a bit later on. That's all I could come up with. And obviously, because I'm so handsome, Bald Eagle is my call sign. And Tim Healy, because he's so good at speaking, he's Jabba. And Mike, because he's so good at singing, he's Songbird. So when he, you see Mike next, call him Songbird. I think he would, he would love that. <laughs> Anyways, so this movie is about all these young pilots coming together for a secret mission, and Maverick has been called to teach them so that they will come back alive 
if they successfully complete the mission, all right? So there's so many different lessons that we can learn from this movie I asked on social media last night, uh, yesterday. Like, what do you learn from, for those of you who've seen the movie, what do you learn from this movie, Top Gun Maverick? And I got so many good answers. You know, people told me what they learned. Uh, and it's true, they're all right. This movie has so many great themes that we can talk about. Courage, absolutely. Bravery, yeah. Teamwork, shirtless men on the beach. You know, we can talk about all kinds of stuff because of this movie, right? But I need to choose just a few because of time. And these are some of the great lessons that I think we can learn from this movie. The first one is this, that success is subjective, all right? Success means different things to different people. You see, Maverick, he's still a captain after all these years. Despite all his successes, his accomplishments, he's still a captain and his teammate at Top Gun his name is Iceman. He's now a four-star general because they're in the Navy, four-star admiral, and he's still a captain. And to the world, Maverick seems like a failure. I want to show you a clip of his interaction with his superior about this. Talk to me, Goose. Maverick. 30 plus years of service. Combat medals. Citations. Only man to shoot down three enemy planes in the last 40 years. Distinguished. 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 Yet you can't get a promotion. You won't retire. And despite your best efforts, you refuse to die. Why is that? I'm where I belong, sir. I'm where I belong, sir. Success means different things to different people. See, for Maverick, because of his love for flying, there's nothing more successful to him than being able to fly and maybe shoot down the enemy enemy's planes, right? And if he had been a two-star general or four-star general, which we, he could very well be, maybe he would be tied to a desk and he wouldn't be able to do what he loves to do. So success means different things to different people. Let me ask you this morning, what is success to you? What is success to you? Are you envious of your ex-uni friend who used to copy your lecture notes and now he's a multi-millionaire and he's a multi-millionaire and here you are still struggling paying your home mortgage? Is that success when you're financially successful? Is that the definition of success? To a lot of people, it is, right? To a lot of people, it is. I don't know if you heard of uh, this guy's name or not. His name is J. Paul Getty. He used to be an oil tycoon and the richest man alive during his time. He's been divorced and married five times. And he was very famous for saying this. He said, I hate and regret the, failures of, or the failure of my marriages. I would gladly give all my money for just one lasting marital success. What is success to you? See, J. Paul uh, Getty learned the hard way 
and maybe a little bit too late. He had to go through five marriages to realize this. And he realized what Solomon, King Solomon, realized many, many thousand years ago. Because Solomon was literally the richest man in the world during his time. He had everything. He even had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Can you believe that? And this is what he said about all his successes, right? I bought slaves, both men and women. I also owned large herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. He said, I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired many wonderful singers, both men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. He literally was living the life. And then he continues, he said this, Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I look at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all meaningless. Like chasing the wind, there was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Everything was so meaningless. If you read the book of Ecclesiastes, the word vanities or meaningless appears 35 times. That's the whole theme of the book, that everything is meaningless. He said this at the beginning of the book. He says, everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. What is Solomon saying? You know, he's not like the guy who has not everything experienced everything a man could experience, he said at the end of his life, everything is meaningless. You know why? Because that is the nature of appetite. Acquiring things is not success. A lot of people think, you know, acquiring things means success, whether you acquire power, wealth, pleasure, fame, uh, you know, money. No, acquiring things will not satisfy. Listen to the richest man ever you know, in this world. Acquiring things will never satisfy you. It will never be enough. You know this to be true, right? You had one big meal and you said to yourself, I can never eat again. And then you open your fridge looking for something more to eat, right? That's the nature of appetite. So then what is success? If success does not mean acquiring stuff, because we know that it's not success, no matter how hard you try to define it. So what is success then? Then success must be the opposite of acquiring. Success must mean giving of yourself. Success must mean serving other people. That must mean the meaning of success if that is not success, right? And that's exactly what Jesus said 2,000 years ago. He said this, whoever wants to be great, that means whoever wants to be successful, you can replace the word great with successful, Whoever wants to be successful must become a servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. This is what the Son of Man has done. You know, he came to serve, not to be served, and give his life as a ransom, as an exchange for the many who are held hostage, and that is all of us. You see, according to the world, Jesus was not successful, right? People had high expectation of him, just like people have high expectation of Maverick. But to the world's eye, Jesus was a failure. He died on the cross. He did not overthrow the Roman Empire like people expected him to be or to do, right? But to Jesus, this is exactly what success is. When he was able to give his life for all of us, 
as a ransom to buy us back, those of us who are held hostage by the enemy, the devil. That is the definition of success to Jesus. So let me ask you again, what is your definition of success? Don't be like J. Paul Getty, where you get to the end of your life, and then you realize too little too late that you have been running the wrong race. That is not really the success that you are after. All right? That's lesson number one. Lesson number two from this great movie, Top Gun Maverick, is this, that we can be different and still be united for a common goal. Okay, now these young Top Guns, they have their own egos. They have their own desire to be the best of the best. They are already the best of the best. So you can tell there's a lot of beef, a lot of rift going on between them, even from the beginning. Like the trailer that you just saw, you know, uh, Phoenix called Hangman Bagman. There was like a, a, a rift between, between Rooster and, and Hangman, between Rooster and his instructor, Maverick. They're all different, but when push comes to shove, they decided that coming together, be united, is so important if they want to achieve a common goal, if they want to achieve a win. And that is what you need to do. That is what we need to do. I find it really, really disturbing that in the last few years especially, you know, I see more and more people getting separated, getting divided over different issues that they disagree with. You know, if you're a Republican, if you're a Democrat, you know, it seems like you can't be talking to each other anymore. If you're pro-labor or liberal, you know, if you are for West Coast Eagles or the Dockers, you know, it seems like the world is getting divided more and more. And Christians are no different. You know, the cancel culture is real. You know, it's even a feature in social media for you to mute people, right? To unfollow people because this is like what we do. You say something wrong, you know, mute, right? You can just mute someone. Or even on WhatsApp, you can mute your group that you don't like, you know. Uh, if you say something politically incorrect, unfollow. If you're affiliated with a cause that I disagree with, cancel. I experience cancel culture personally, you know, during the lockdown, I said something, I preached a message on the second coming of Jesus Christ. Five families left our church because they disagreed with my take on the second coming of Jesus Christ. Even though at the beginning of the message, I said, look, we can disagree on this. The staff at the Rocks have different views on this, and it's okay. And yet, five families left because they disagreed with my take on the second coming of Jesus Christ. Never mind that their kids know Jesus in our church. Never mind that we do all the things that we can do to serve them, to make them feel welcome and be part of the community here. Doesn't matter anymore. If you do something you don't, someone don't like, you get canceled, all right? This is not on. If we want to achieve what God has called us to achieve in this world, doesn't matter, if you, even if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, if you want to achieve great things in life, in your company, in your organization, in your family, you may be different individuals, but you got to come together to achieve a common goal. Listen to the prayer of Jesus. He said this, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That means Jesus is praying for you, all right? He's not just praying for the 12 disciples. He's praying for all of us right now. That's exactly what he said. And his prayer is this. I pray that they will be one. 
Jesus didn't pray that we all have the same theology on the second coming of Jesus Christ. He says, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. So that, there's a, there's a reason for this, why Jesus prayed for this. So that the world will believe that you sent me. So according to Jesus, for the world to believe us, we got to come together. We got to, you know, set aside our differences. Christians, there's so many different denominations in the world. It's not even funny, you know, how Christians are so divided over a lot of things. We can have different differences in opinion. I'm, I'm not saying that we should all be united in every opinion that we have. No, but I'm just saying, you have to know what you're willing to die for. For me, what I'm willing to die for is very small. I'm only willing to die for the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sin and rose again on the third day to prove that He was really indeed the God that He claimed to be. And one day, Jesus is coming back to take us to be with Him to spend eternity together because we have received this eternal life through grace, by grace, through faith. That is all I'm willing to die for. Everything else is up for grab as far as I'm concerned. Everything else, we should be able to work together toward a common goal because our unity Listen to what Jesus said. It's so important so that the world will not look at us and say, look at those Christians fighting amongst themselves. On YouTube these days, you can just Google, right? You can YouTube Christian leaders, influencers, talking bad about other Christians all the time. All the time. It's so sickening. It is not on. It is not acceptable. All right? We need to work together to achieve a common goal. That's number two. Very quickly, number three. To move forward, you must let go of the past. As I said before, Rooster had a beef with his instructor, Maverick, because his father, Goose, died while flying with Maverick in one of the training uh, that they were flying in, right? And Maverick felt so guilty, even though he was not found guilty for the incident, but he knew it was because of his recklessness. It was because of his, you know, like he's pushing the boundary so much because he wanted to win so bad that he actually indirectly caused the accident that led to his partner's death. And he never let himself go for that. He carried his guilt with him all the times, even though he threw the dog tags of his partner to the ocean, he still carried the guilt with him and he couldn't let it go. I want to show you one scene where he interacted with his old mate, Iceman, and talk about letting go. Teach it, it's not what Rooster wants. It's not what the Navy wants. 
That's why they can be the last time. The only reason I'm here is you. If I send him on this mission, he might never come home. And if I don't send him, he'll never forgive me. Either way, I could lose him forever. forward, you must let go of the past. See, until Maverick was able to let go of the past, he couldn't move forward. He couldn't mend the relationship that he had with his partner's son. And that is true for us as well. I know in a room this big, there's people here who just couldn't let go of the past still. I'm not saying it's easy. I've been uh, in, a, in a season where I couldn't let go. And I'm telling you, it's killing me, right? And it might be killing you too. And you know that you just can't afford to be that way all the time. You need to get rid of resentment, bitterness, guilt, unforgiveness, whatever it is that is holding you back. You just got to get rid of it if you want to move forward in life. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says once again in Philippians chapter 3. He says this, Know dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. He's not perfect and he's still struggling with the stuff as well. But he said this, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on. You know, it's not easy to press on, but that's what you got to do. That's what I got to do. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Jesus Christ is calling us. Just like Maverick has a calling in his life to, to make a difference for his country. That is his calling. And that's why I was fighting for him. You know, we have a calling too. You have a purpose in this world. Not just to take up space, but God had prepared a good work for you to do. And unless you are able to move on from your past, there's no way you're able to do the great things that God has planned for you to do. So please, for your sake, for the sake of the people around you, for the sake of the kingdom of God, let go of the past so that we can accomplish something 
great in our future. And finally, number four, uh, and this is probably the biggest theme of the movie by far, it is about unselfishness. It is about selflessness. Selflessness is, is irresistible. Selflessness is attractive. The fighter pilots, despite their differences, like I said before, they're willing to set aside their differences. And not only that, they were willing to die for one another, literally. I'm not going to spoil the movie for you, but they were literally willing to die for one another. And to me, that's what makes the movie so great, is this unselfishness, is this selflessness that is just at the heart of the gospel. You know, this is what the gospel is all about. Jesus said this, and this is the final, final verse for us today. I've told you this thing so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And this is my commandment, Jesus says. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. And here's the most amazing point of all. There is no greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's exactly what Jesus did. I don't know how much you know about Christianity. Christianity is not about Jonah and the whale. Christianity is not about how many days the world is created in. Christianity is about Jesus laying down His life for you and for me. That's what Christianity is all about. For those of you who are not followers of Jesus Christ, I want to invite you, I want to challenge you to seek and find out about this person called Jesus. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, our call is not to lord it over people. Our call is to do the same. Our call is to lay down our life for our family. If you're a husband, your call is to lay down your life for your wife, for your children. At the office, our call is to lay down our life for the sake of our office, for the sake of our company. We are paid to do that by our company, but if you are a person of integrity, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, you do what Jesus does. This is what we have been called to do. And I'm telling you, the face of Christianity will look so different here in Australia and all over the world if only Christians do this. If only we are known by our unity, by coming together despite our differences. If we are known by our unselfishness, our willingness, to be out there, to give ourselves for our community, for our family, for our church. Man, that is such an attractive form of Christianity. And that's the kind of Christianity that I can be proud of. And that's exactly what we want to be. We want to be for Perth. We want to be for Canning. We want to be a church that is willing to lay down our lives for the people around us. And when you do that, I'm telling you, just as Jesus was so attractive to the people back in these days, I just will be so attractive for others, especially those who don't know Jesus yet, to want to come and explore who Jesus is. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more great resources and to keep yourself up to date, head to our website. Visit therocks.church.